You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Top King League. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking League, your weekly NRL fantasy podcast, proudly brought to you by Game Day Squad. Create, coach, compete in fantasy footy. Be the coach and win. Download the app and play now. Jason here, back in Talking League HQ with another edition of the Mercato Quarter Measures. So for those not acquainted with the Mercato, it's a long-form series that I write for Talking League, which you can read on talkingleaguepod.com forward slash articles. In this particular article, Quarter Measures, I go through a few little bits and pieces, starting with a bit of a chat around team values and trades remaining, having gone through about a quarter of the season, and also touch on the four teams that have their first buy before round 13. Of course, the Storm, the Knights, the Dolphins, and the Warriors. Now, before we get into it, another reminder, the Talking League will be live at Magic Ground, so come meet the team at Lefty's Music Hall in Caxton Street, which is right near Suncorp Stadium. The action gets underway on Saturday, May the 6th, with a meet and greet from 12pm, live podcast at 1pm before three games of footy at Suncorp, and we hope to see you there. So, eight rounds in the rearview mirror, folks, and that means we're basically a quarter of the way through the season. Or more importantly, we're two-thirds of the way through the first phase of the season, being that first 12 rounds that lead up to Origin. In the pre-season, I stated an article that I expected coaches to have a squad value of about $12 million leading into round 10. However, the abundance of successful cash cows, most coaches are probably looking at a team value closer to $13 million and $12 million, some over $13 million already. Coaches are well on the way to that desired $14 million to construct that foregone squad. So that leaves most coaches you know, one or two good cash cows away from hitting that pre-season target. But unlike previous seasons, those cashes that would appear around this time of the season are nowhere to be found. And this has caused coaches to be a little bit more aggressive in recycling cash cows and picking up options like Jacob Host, Harme Sele, Phoenix Crossland, and Toby Couchman that were priced north of 300k instead of those traditional 230k to 250k operators. And when these go wrong, <coughs> Host, it can really cause issues as purchasers are left deciding whether to cop a trade out or potentially risk leakage to their squad value. In terms of recycling, these sorts of cash cows, this process is going to continue all the way through round 13. But coaches need to remember that during the buy rounds, you'll be trading out those origin players like Payne Haas and Cameron Murray. And when you trade them out, you'll have the option to move them on for undervalued guns that are more or less de facto cashies. And this process is especially important for any coach that has a team value that is well below $12.5 million. You've got to avoid the temptation of purchasing peak price players when there's cut price keepers that are available to purchase that will help build up your team value. Players that could fit this category include Hudson Young, Dylan Brown, Sean Lane, John Bateman, Holmali Olakowatu, Joseph Manu, and Tevita Totola. And a lot of these actually hold quite favourable buy schedules. Now, as we'll discuss in upcoming episodes, what favourable buy schedule means is completely subjective based on who you've already got in your team at the moment. But on the topic, most coaches are probably not too far away from uh, where they need to be with the team value. Whether you've got the right amount of trades remaining, 
uh, is another question in itself because we've got 19 rounds left, don't forget. Remember, start of the season, we were given the following 36 traits available up until round 19. That will be increased up to 44 when eight trades are unlocked from round 20, giving us, of course, a total of 44. In terms of how much we can use in a week, two trades up until round six, a maximum of three from round seven to round 12, and then once we hit round 13, you'll be able to use a maximum of four to give the pure BDE for the back half of the season. In terms of where coaches would be sitting at this point, I would expect most coaches to be sitting somewhere between 20 and 26 coming into round nine. Ideally, you'd want at least 23, which would mean that you've banked three trades by not trading the maximum every single week. Now, having below that amount doesn't necessarily mean that you've traded poorly. You could have been the victim of multiple injury suspensions you know, for the players such as Kalen Ponga, Ruben Cotter, Adam Dewey, Tommy Talao, Scott Drinkwater, and Jane Braley, and that's to name a few. There's plenty more examples that I haven't included here. Or you could be like me, you've had pods that haven't gone that well, and you've had to move them on before they leak too much cash and you fall too far behind the peloton. But regardless of the reason, the lower your trades remaining, the lower your margin for error is. So, what's an okay number of trades to have left coming into round nine? There's no perfect method to calculate this. Uh, Comparing your trades to your squad value is probably the best that we've got in terms of a objective measure. Now the reason that we look at this comparison is that we're aiming to increase our team value from that initial start of 10 million by 4 million all the way up to 14 million to enable us to have a nice gun 18-19 for the run home. Of course, as we know, the run home isn't as clear due to weekly buys, but it still holds as a decent guide because we've got eight trades and unlock at round 20, which should hopefully cover those injuries, suspensions, and buys that will occur in that last eight rounds of the season. (laughs) Now, in the Talking League textbook, we looked at the value of a trade being around 150k a trade. If you look at your current team value and your trades remaining, you should be comfortably ahead of that in this equation. Even if you had spent all 16 trades, which would be five lots of two trades in rounds two to six, and two triples in rounds seven and eight, your team value would only need to be 12.4 million or higher to be ahead on this equation. But the problem is, is when we calculated that value of a trade at 150K per trade, we also considered the following factors. We'd consider the fact that you're gonna have five or six trades minimum on long-term absences, so any injuries or suspensions for three plus weeks, or any failure trades where the player you traded in needs to be traded out quickly because of underperformed your expectations. <coughs> Jacob Host. You'll need to use trades to trade out players that you've had from round one that are starting to peak in value, and that's something we'll see this week with a lot of Storm players uh, breaching that gap. You'll have Origin players in your squad that you'll look to trade out before round 13, and of course, during these buy rounds, there'll be some instances where you'll probably need to make some sideways trades to navigate these major rounds, which of course are rounds 13, 16, and 19, where seven teams are on a buy, and the minor bow rounds. Rounds 14, 17, and 20, we've got three teams on a buy. Now, if we use that 150K per trade calculation, it's probably not an accurate reflection of our trade management to this point, with the reason being those considerations that we have above are probably not realized yet. We haven't got to origin, so we haven't had to trade out our origin guns. We haven't got to the buy rounds, and we haven't had to make some of those sideways trades. And in terms of our long-term absences, if you haven't been that unlucky, you probably haven't had to spend five to six trades on those absences or those you know, failure trades uh, where the likes of Jacob Host have absolutely ruined you. 
And of course, with some of our cash cows, they haven't yet uh, realised their full potential, but we will need to spend a trade to get them out, to get the next player in, to keep progressing our squad improvement. So, taking those factors and thinking about where we are in the season, let's take 16 trades out of that initial 36 that we get and see how we track in terms of our trade management. So basically, we're looking at 20 trades, or five trades per $1 million of aspirational squad value increase, because of course, we're looking for that $14 million. Now, in the article, I do have a table that basically gives you a ranking from below par to exceptional in terms of your trade management with respect to your squad value. Now, the key thing is, is with the table, and it's something I stress in the article, the table doesn't consider your rank, because as we know, rank and team value don't always hold a linear relationship. You could have an amazing team value and have a not-so-amazing rank, and vice versa. You could have quite a solid rank, but not a massive team value. Now, to best describe this table in audio format, we'll go through the trades remaining and you know, ideally where you'd like to be in terms of your squad value. So if you've used only 10 trades, so you've got 26 leading into round 9, anything above 12.5 million, you're going to be absolutely chuffed with. But even if you're sitting at 12.4, you're still going to be pretty happy because you've got plenty of opportunities to make sideways trades or take on the game a little bit and go for those risky cash cows. If you're above 12.75, you've done an exceptional job to this point. Likewise, at 11, trades used, you've got 25 left. Anything above 12.5, you've done pretty well. Anything below 12.25, you might be panicking a little bit, but again, with plenty of trades left in the bank, you've still got plenty of time to make moves. Going into the middle range there, where if you've used 12 or 13 trades, so you've got 23 or 24 trades left, you're sort of hovering around that 12.4 to 12.5, you're probably not too unhappy. Anything above that, you've done exceptionally well. Likewise, uh, when you head down to having used 14, 15 trades, you'd want to be north of 12.5 million to be happy with your work to this point. But if you're close to 13, great job. If you've gone max chickens and used all 16 available trades to this point, if you're not anything close to 12.75 million, you're probably a little bit concerned about your trade management. Keeping in mind, look, you could have had a lot of bad luck in relation to injuries, suspensions, and pods just absolutely shitting the bed. And with this table, again, it's not going to reflect the circumstances of every single team because with this here, again, if you've had more bad luck than others, this isn't going to be really reflective of your management thus far. The further you are from an exceptional rating, the lower your margin for error is and your reliance on avoiding bad luck is going to be even higher than it is for the average coach. But in saying that, if your rating, when you have a look at the table in the article, suggests that your trade management thus far is below par, no need to panic just yet. There will be cash cows and other undervalued players that will appear in future rounds that will help you get towards that desired $14 million. And it doesn't mean that you should stop trading if your rating on the table is less than good. It just means that your risk tolerance should be less than coaches who have a rating of good or better. Now that we've taken stock of our trade management today, let's go through the four teams that have their first buy before we hit that first major buy round in round 13. We're going to start with the Melbourne Storm. So their buys are in rounds 9, 13 and 19, which means they miss the two major buy rounds, the first one and the, and the third one. They play in the second one, but more importantly, they play in 14 and 17 and, of course, 20. With the Storm, plenty of players of fantasy relevance and ownership, including Harry Grant, Cameron Munster, Elias Akatoa, Trent Liero, and Will Warbrick. 
Now, for our two Queensland representatives in Grant and Munster, you'll have sufficient coverage, well, I'd like to think you will this week, to cover their absences in this round, assuming that you've only got one of them. And with their high ceilings, which we saw a nice score from Grant, 77 against the Warriors, just gone, you want to hold on to those players. And potentially when you hit round 13, you may want to hold on to them for, for those as well, keeping in mind with the Storm, they have buys in 13 and 19, so realistically, if they back up after the Origin matches, they'll only miss 19, sorry, they'll only miss 16 in excess of their normal buys anyway. With the pairing of Kato and Liero, uh, when I wrote this article initially during the weekend, uh, it was prior to the Storm game going ahead, and I was going to be jumping on here and saying, yeah, Liero is probably the player you want to hold, and the one that you want to sell is probably Kato because uh, he's a bit higher in price. Of course, anyone who has seen the match that occurred on Tuesday, Kartoa had his game shortened. HI impacted 19, which yeah, lost him 37k, and his rolling average is blistered now, which means it's going to be very hard for him to gain in value. So the only reason that you would hold Kartoa from this point is if you think he's going to be a bottom-run keeper, which, look, potentially he might be. My issue with him now, though, is, is that with Bison 9 and 13, it's going to be very hard for him to be a really reliable scorer for you in the coming weeks. And with Liero, you've got a pretty favourable uh, rolling average with the fact that he's pumped out some pretty solid scores of late. So Katoa would be the player that I would be selling if I owned both of them. Saying that, I wouldn't be against coaches trading out both, but you'd probably want a really good reason to trade out Liero at this point with where his break-even and his price are sitting. Me personally, I've already traded out both. I needed to get rid of both to bring in Cleary a couple of weeks ago when he turned up. Haven't missed out too much in terms of price rises on Katoa, but that benefit there has been uh, impacted, or offset, I should I say, by the fact that we've seen Liero go from strength to strength. Will Warbrick is a pretty interesting option in relation to your depth in your fantasy side, like he's probably at his peak price now at 390k, which means you probably should trade him out now, pick up another green dot, and go from there. But what we need to consider in terms of Warbrick being a winger fullback is what your coverage looks like in rounds 10 and 11, because Lockie Mill, who most relevant coaches would own, has a buy in round 10, and Connolly Lemelemelo has a buy in round 11, which potentially, if you've got a dual position player like Hamaso, you might have to move him up into the centres, and if you don't have a winger fullback that can slide in, you could find yourself short. So if you've got adequate cover for these rounds, or you know, comfort that you know you'll be able to trade in a player to cover those absences, feel free to sell Warbreak, but again, he's not a must-sell, but I think you'll find a lot of coaches will be dropping off him this week. Moving on to the Knights, they have buys in rounds 10, 14, and 19. So a very interesting buy schedule, because once they get past round 10, they play two majors in rounds 13 and 16, and two minors in rounds 17 and 20. But they do have two buy rounds coming up in the next six weeks, which is of concern to fantasy coaches. In terms of players that are of fantasy relevance and ownership, Tyson Brazil, Lockie Miller, and Phoenix Crossan are probably the three. And unlike the Storm, they do play that round 13, so they are quite desirable to have. But that buy round in round 14 is quite tricky. And it is possible this year to have too much of a good thing. So you do need to balance your Knights contingent out with Eels and Seagulls because they also miss round 14. When it comes to Frizzell and Miller, you know, it's a pretty simple equation. They are 
heading close to being the best in their respective positions, and they are at this stage looming as season-long keepers. So we want to use our depth to cover them if we own these players in round 10. If you own both, you've got to hold on to both, but you do need to make sure you hold off acquiring too many eels and sea eagles. Otherwise, come round 14, you'll be sliding backwards. Phoenix Crossland is a bit more complex as he did miss out on that lucrative hooker dual position when they did that post-round 6 update for dual position. Keeping in mind as well, guys, the next dual position update per the Fantasy website is post-round 13, which, as we learnt with that first update, is actually a round 14 update. So after that round 13 buy, which is really unfortunate for Crossland. Now, in saying that, I think, well, either the decision not to award it was actually consistent with the rationale that they've used uh, recently, which is to not hand your position to players that are covering a position due to injury. And let's be honest, if Jaden Braley wasn't injured, Phoenix Trossen wouldn't be a starting hooker. But the fact that he doesn't have that means you can only play him in the halves position, which most coaches will own at least two of Sean Johnson, Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown, and Isaiah Katoa. And you can only have two half scorers in round 13. So at this point, you may not even hold him all the way to round 13. But if you've bought him in, you've bought him in for cash generation, so you've got to hold him till round 13. At that point, you're going to have a decision to make as to whether you keep him in round 13, potentially use your score by leaving him against a car tour, or do you treat that round 13 as a buy for him as well because you've already got two other halves to play in that round, and then he has that round 14 buy. But I think owners at this point, you're holding and hoping you get somewhere close to 500k, and then you can look to cash him up or down depending on what options are available in round 13. Moving on to the Dolphins, they have buys in rounds 11, 16, and 21, which means they play the major buy rounds in 13 and 19. And they play all three minor buy rounds, which is very useful. So that's 14, 17, and 20. Plenty of fantasy relevant players or players that have high relevance in terms of their ownership. Jeremy Marshall King, Jermaine Asako, Tom Gilbert, Hamaso Tabuifado, Connolly Lemelou, and Isaiah Katoa. With this great buy schedule, you probably want to hold off buying any more Dolphins at this point. They've got their buy in round 11, which isn't that far away. Probably the only stretch where I would say feel free to mix it up would be for Harry Grant owners who've got him as their only hooker in their squad and they plan on holding Grant until round 13. If you can't afford to bring in Reese Robson for the extra cash, getting in JMK is a suitable alternative. When it comes to holding on to Dolphins, you probably want to hold on to all of them that you have for now. Of course, the only exception to that would be we own four or more, and we need to sell at least one of them before round 11. Isaiah Cartel is a solid hold for the foreseeable future, as his slow burn nature needs to be fine to hold as you know, a break glass in case of emergency option up until the second buy in round 16. In fact, with the way this round's going, most coaches that own him will probably be playing him in round 9, so if he's in your 17, I wouldn't be panicking at all. He's shown in the past few weeks that he's more confident with running the ball, getting more involved, not afraid to take contact, and his defence has improved a little bit as well, and he's pumped out some quite nice scores. Connolly Lemel early, before the week, just gone, was skating on thin ice as he had two weeks in a row where he hadn't played the 80 minutes. But it's looking all right for him now. Kenny Bromwich has been named to start in the middle, so as long as he holds on to that starting edge role, hold on to him as a nice out-of-position centre cover, 
and you know reassess at round 16. Tom Gilbert, though, is probably the player that when you hit round 13 that you'll want to sell. Potentially even before round 11. It's unknown at this point whether he'll be involved in Origin. I'm not a Queenslander, and I, you know, I'm not the coach of the Queensland team. But you'd think that he's going to be there in the mix somewhere. He showed when he did play Origin last year that he has got exactly what Queenslanders look for. Uh, and unfortunately, he was involved in a winning side uh, for us New South Welshmen. So Gilbert with him, I think there's options that you could step off him. Uh, but maybe this week you have to hold on to him just for the sheer fact that we're, we're dealing with low numbers. Moving on to the last team that has a buy before round 13, and that's, of course, the Warriors. And we've got a few options that are fantasy relevant in terms of their scoring and their ownership. So we've got Sean Johnson, Tohu Harris, Jackson Ford, and Shards Nickel Crookstar. Now, with the Dolphins, the Warriors also have quite a useful buy schedule because you've got them available for two major buy rounds, 13 and 19, and they play all three minor buy rounds, 14, 17, and 20. So in a similar deal to the Dolphins... You probably don't want to go out and buy any more Warriors before round 13 because not only will they have one buy in the rearview mirror if you pick up round 13, but we've learned with Jane Braley, we do not want to rush our buy planning moves. And a player who exemplifies this perfectly is none other than Tohu Harris. He's a lesson from history as coaches in 2021 picked him up before the round 17 buy only for him to get injured in round 16, miss the round 17 buy, and then get a season-ending injury in round 18, shedding a lot of cash in those two weeks and putting up not many points. And we've just had another reminder of that. With the game just gone on Tuesday, he was forced from the field after 38 minutes with potentially a reoccurrence of that knee issue. Really, the only circumstances where I'd be considering bringing Harris before round 13 would be if you had a significant absence to one of your mids, so they got a seizing-ending injury or a long suspension, and you didn't have any other options for mid replacements. But at this instance, I'd be sticking clear of him until he can get through you know, a good 65, 70, or even 80 minutes as he has a lot of cash to hemorrhage uh, before round 13. Sean Johnson, uh, he has been awesome in 2023, which all NRL fantasy tragics would be over the moon with. Of course, at this point, you're looking to hold him. If you own him, he's got an average above 60. But like Mitchell Moses, if you don't own Sean Johnson, you're probably best holding off purchasing him at this point because he's probably at his peak price for 2023 or close to it. You know, His price may not come down a lot over the next three weeks before round 13, but your team value should hopefully increase much closer to 13 moon or go over 13 moon. And at that point, you'll be in a much more comfortable position to outlay 750k plus on your second or third gun half in your squad. Jackson Ford, you know, may not necessarily have an awful lot more to gain in value, but his utility in giving you positional depth and coverage means you should continue to hold him for as long as you can. That dual position of mid-edge is going to be very handy over rounds 13 and 14, where you might be scrambling for numbers. Particularly with 13, because I think you'll find with a lot of coaches now, they'll have probably 10 or 11 players for round 13 already, without having to make any more trades. It might be they might be lacking one or two winger fullbacks, or they might not yet have a hooker for round 13. The beauty with 40s is that with that mid and edge coverage 
and the likes of Jack Bird, Connolly Lamuelu, who've also got dual position, and Hamaso Tabuai Fado. You can pretty much tinker around with those dual positions, and then in round 13, make that final decision on that second last or last player that you need to add to your squad. So, again, you'd like to see more from you in terms of defence. The missed tackle count last night wasn't ideal, but until more good cash cows come up, you probably just got to hold him until round 12, and then you might potentially have a decision to make, which most likely will probably be to hold. And the last of the fantasy relevant worries at this point in time, Sean's nickel clock star. Well, he went through a world of pain on Tuesday night, and his fantasy managers are feeling it as well. With you know the fact that the Warriors just have the worst timing for his HI because they currently sit in one of the three instances where a team plays three matches in 11, 11 days. And what this means for seeing K after failing his HI is he pretty much is only going to play one game in the next month because he'll miss the game against the Roosters, he missed the subsequent game against the Panthers uh, at Magic Round. And then, of course, you'll play round 11 if he's fit and firing, and then a buy in round 12 before we hit hit round 13. So if you've got him, you're probably going to have to sell him just because we've got Mill and Lemuelu coming up on buys, as we've mentioned already, and other coaches that have CNK or don't have him are going to be looking pretty sweet in that winger fullback option. It's just unfortunately... A uh, bit of a bad luck for coaches. Yeah, he didn't have a great game uh, fantasy-wise against the Cowboys, uh, but to the fail that HIA in the most awkward spot of the Warriors' fixtures uh, has left owners in a very, very tricky spot. And that is it for this edition of the Mercado. The next edition will be what I will be calling a Mercado mailbag, where I'll be answering questions around the technical aspects, so basically think rules of NRL fantasy strategies. So if you've got any questions around various aspects such as looping, how they award DPPs, break-evens, setting up your squad, reversing trades, head-to-head ladders, be sure to leave your question in the comments section on the Facebook post or hit it up our DMs on Instagram or Facebook or even Twitter, and I'll endeavour to answer them in detail in the mailbag next week which will come out in written format as well as audio format. But until then, all the best for round nine, and be sure to join me next week for the first Mercado mailbag. Bye, team.